Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Thursday, May the 19th, 2022. It is currently 8.59 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. I know, why did I start at 8.59? See, I, I, I was waiting, and then... Well, the next thing you know, our intro is kicking off, and then I have to announce that it's 8.59 p.m. It would make more sense to announce announce that it's 9 p.m., but you know what? 8.59 doesn't really matter because we're not... We're not bound by radio. I remember when I was on Christian radio and, well, then I got kicked off Christian radio. That, that didn't go so well because, well, yeah, we won't tell that story again. That, that, wasn't a, that wasn't a fun, that wasn't a fun situation. That was unpleasant. But we won't talk about that. I can go live whenever I just, well, whenever I just sit here and press the button that says start streaming. And the next thing you know, we're live all across the internet and people all around the world tune in. And we're very grateful for that. And I love the fact that technology makes it that easy. Really, I have a laptop to my left, a microphone, and all I do is sit here and just boom, press one button and we're live on so many different platforms. It's just awesome that we have the ability to do that. And we are very, 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 very grateful for the opportunity and understand that it's a great responsibility. So thank you for listening, wherever you may be listening to uh, this evening. This is uh, what I think is, this is live broadcast number three for today. And hopefully all the previous ones have been beneficial, but thank you for tuning in. I, I, I'm I'm hesitating here. I'm hesitating. That's what I'm doing. I'm I'm hesitating because in my mind I'm talking to you, but my mind I'm thinking, hmm, huh, did I did, should I have pressed that button? Maybe I should announce to everyone that uh sorry, this concludes <laughs> this live broadcast. I just wanted to test. I just wanted to see if you would tune in. That's all I wanted to do because I I keep debating with myself, should I do what I'm about to do? But I, I think I'm going to change my approach. So I think this will be beneficial. I'm, I'm having an internal conflict with myself. So let's do this. Let's imagine that you have been a Christian for, well, I'm, a, I'm guessing that most people listening profess to be a Christian. So let's just go with this scenario, right? You as a Christian, you find out that you have 24 hours to live, 48 hours to live, 72 hours to live. You have a very short amount of time to live, right? Less, say no more than three days. Your, your life is, is going to come to an end, right? And you have to deal with the emotions and there's a lot of things. But you're asked, let's say for some reason, you're asked by some kind of publication, hey, you're, you're a Christian, right? And you're like, yes, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I have followed him for however many years and, 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 you know, I have confidence in my salvation because of the, the imputed righteousness of Christ. Yes, I am a believer in Christ. I, I trust in his finished work, and I believe in his death, burial, and resurrection. I believe he ascended to the right hand of the Father from, where, from whence he will come to judge the living and the dead. Yes, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And they say, okay, and, you, and your life is about to end. Would you share with us 30 key principles that people, that Christians, that, that people should apply to their life. 30 key principles. Would you have 30 principles that you have learned after, I don't know how many years you've been a Christian, but after five years of being a Christian, 10 years being a Christian, 15 years being a Christian, however long it's been, could you grab a notebook, right? You have a, and you have a short amount of time. So in other words, you, you can't sit there and just think about it and think about it. Just those immediate principles that come to your mind. If you were to grab a notebook right now, right? Grab a notebook. And the reason I said you only have three days to live is because I want you to, you know, in other words, you don't have a month to think about it. You've got less than 72 hours, right? So you've got to start working. So you grab a notebook and you're going to write out 30 principles that you have learned as a Christian that you think other people need to know, would you even have 30? Well, let's do this. 30 is, is, is a lot. 30 is a lot. And I think a lot of people would have a hard time. So, so I guess for our illustration, what if you had 10? 10 life principles that you have learned at, in your walk with Christ as you have grown as a Christian 
through your, your growth as a Christian, your spiritual maturity, your discipleship, your, your following Christ, your study, things that you have experienced, what would be 10 principles that you're like, look, and, 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 and just think about it this way. Let's say that you, these 10 principles were going to be read at your church right after you pass. And they're like, here, here are the principles they have left for us to help us in our spiritual journey as we move forward. What 10 principles would you want to leave that you just feel like would be so important? Now, I, I honestly would really love to know what 10 principles you would write down. I really would. I really would. No judgment at all. I really would love to see your 10 principles. If you would like to share them with me, email them to me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. And just, you don't even have to give me your name. I don't care. Just, I just want, would love to know your 10 principles because I think it would be interesting to know how different Christians, like what they felt like, man, in my Christian life, after walking with Christ two years, five years, 15 years, here are the 10 principles that I, I have learned that I think are just so key, are so essential. Could you come up with 10? And I'm thinking about right now. It, it's, it's Thursday evening. So I was thinking if, I, if, if Sunday morning, I'm going to be standing behind the pulpit on Sunday morning, obviously, Sunday school, Sunday. I mean, obviously, I'll be preaching and teaching. But if I was to stand behind the pulpit Sunday morning and say, okay, everyone, this morning, I'm going to give everyone 10 principles that I have learned in my Christian life up to this point. This is what I know as of right now. These are 10 just absolutely essential key principles I'm thinking right now. I've got a notebook right here. There's a part of me that just like lie. Like, I almost wish that we were all together right now, like wherever you were, they were all sitting in a room and everyone would go around in a circle, go, okay, what's your first principle? And everyone would just share their first principle. It would be interesting to hear like what, because everyone's experience is, have been different. People have gone through different trials and tribulations and pain and victories and successes. They've seen so many different things. They've seen probably good things in the world of Christianity. They've probably experienced really bad things. Some have had horrifying experiences within churches. Some have had great experiences. So some have had great victories in their spiritual life, and others have experienced great spiritual defeat. So, you know, some people got out of the boat and walked on the water and never sunk. And some got out of the boat, walked on the water and sunk and had to be rescued. Some did not deny Jesus. Others denied Jesus three times. You get the idea, just like in the Bible, you have people with all kinds of different things that happen in their Christian life. That's why I love the Bible. It's very real about people's lives. So I just, what would be the principles you would write down? And I'm, I'm just, I'm literally thinking about this in real time. What would I write down? And I, and I may work on my own list, my own list. But, but I would really like to hear what, what, what you would share. And so if you would like to just think about it, meditate on it, 10 principles that you would just think are absolutely essential, what would you put down? You can take a screenshot of it, however, and just share it, newsif at yahoo.com. There's a part of me that just wants to stop right there and just say, you know what? I'm just going to stop tonight right there. But if you see the title, depending on which platform you're, uh, you're listening to this on, you may see the title or you may not. I call this 30 Life Principles Part 1. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know. There's a part of me like, bad, bad, bad. Why did you do that? Because now that kind of puts me like, well, if this is part one, there's going to have to be a part two. But the reason I decided to put part one is because, well, I want to talk to you about 30 life principles, but I did not write them. I did not write these life principles. So I was going to just look at one. What I was going to do is was going to take one principle that was given by a different individual out of their 30, and then we were just going to explore everything they said about that one principle. But I decided, you know what? Let's just go through all 30. But there's no way I can go through all 30 without because I'm going to offer, obviously, comment and commentary about each one and kind of challenge it, maybe play devil's advocate to them. But let, let's get some background here. If you just type in, if you go to Google right now, and you, ju you just type in the following, Life Principles, Charles Stanley. If you just type in Life Principles, Charles Stanley, 
you're going to see all these ads show up for all kinds of things connected to this teaching that Charles Stanley delivered. I don't even know how many years ago it was. And I'm not here to get into whether I agree or disagree with Charles Stanley's teaching. It's not about that. It's just about that this thing, that this teaching turned into, well, a lot of different publications. You have now the Life Principles Daily Bible. And the New King James Version, I think it's the New American Standard. So you basically have a Bible that ended up being produced around his life. Hey, here's the Bible, but in this Bible are going to be these life principles taught by Charles Stanley. I'm like, whoa, he, he must have a high view of his life principles that he's going to put them in a Bible, right? Hey, here's the word of God. And inside that Bible are going to be my life principles. And that would seem to tell us that he believes his life principles come directly from the word of God. You're also going to see a life principle uh, Bible study. There's a Bible study. There's a life principles. I don't even know what we call this. Just 30 life principles book. There's the 30 life principles Bible study and then the 30 life principles book. There's, so there's Bible studies. There's books. I think before there was DVD series uh, sets. There was, put it this way. It turned into merchandising, okay? There was all kinds of merchandise. There probably was 30 Life Principles t-shirts. Okay, I'm joking. Okay, I don't know. There was, a, there was pro- maybe a 30 Life Principles coffee mug. I don't know. But Christi- the Christian publishing world, once they think they have a winner, they just start producing more and more, well, merchandise for people to buy. But 30 Life Principles. Here's a, a description of the book um, that was, so you can purchase for $9 for the Kindle um, uh, or an ebook form. All right. I, I, have, I have the book. I bought the book a long time ago. I think when it first came out because I was just interested about life principles. This is what it says. Charles Stanley lays out 30 life principles that can help you become more like Christ every day. Whoa. So his 30 life principles can make you more like Christ. All right. I'm just thinking about how to process that, but okay. Now, of course, this cannot be accomplished. This This is accomplished through the power of his Holy Spirit and through your own diligence and discipline. In the book, author Charles Stanley lays out 30 life principles that can help you. All right. Now, if we, I just want to do something here. If we just look up the word principle, Principle is defined um, as this. This is from the Oxford, I think the Oxford Dictionary. A fundamental truth or proposition that serves as the foundation for a system of belief or behavior or for a chain of reasoning. So if we call these 30 life principles, these would be fundamental truths, fundamental propositions that serve as the foundation for your life and behavior. That's how that when he calls them life principles, he is saying that these 30 life principles are fundamental truths and propositions that serve as a foundation for your life. I mean, that's he obviously believes his 30 life principles are that they he must believe they come directly from the word of God. All right. So that's that would be another challenge. Like what what are your life principles? And how, how, how consistent are your life principles with what, what's taught in Scripture? I bet you everyone would believe their life, pr- life principles are consistent with what's taught in Scripture. That would be an interesting exercise as well. There's a lot of different directions we could go with it. You see, we're just kind of scratching the surface. You see why I p- called this part one? Because we could go in a lot of different directions with this. We'll just see what the response is. This is sometimes what happens. I, I think I've got, oh, this is a this is a great idea. This is a clever idea. This is brilliant. This is going to spark massive discussion. And then I'll post the podcast episode and I and I can't wait. I'm like, and all of a sudden, I, it's just, wait, silence. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> nobody else was interested in answering that question. And there's other times I'm like, well, I don't think anyone's going to care. And it's like, boom, 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 boom. I'm like, whoa, okay. So, so in other words, I have no idea if this will spark a conversation. I think it's fascinating to just think about someone giving us their life principles that they, they think are so important. They're foundation for, foundational for our life. That, that, that's, and so important, well, that a Bible was made around these life principles. I, I mean, 
yeah, you could you could you can make your own judgment in regards to that. But if you open up the book, and I got it right here in my Kindle, Thirty Life Principles. In fact, I copy some uh, notes from it. I think this is interesting. This is how the book begins, or I think this is the from the book, not the Bible study. I don't know. I've got both books, but I think this is from the book. Right here, here is what how it is written in the introduction. Right, and I quote. During his 50 years of ministry, Dr. Charles Stanley has faithfully highlighted the 30 life principles that have guided his life and helped him to grow in his knowledge, service, and love of God. So what they seem to be implying here is that for 50 years of ministry, that these 30 principles have basically been with Charles Stanley for all 50 years of ministry and that he has highlighted them faithfully, and that they have guided his life and helped him to grow in his knowledge and service and love of God, that these principles helped him grow in his knowledge, service, and love of God, which would imply, hey, I need to study this. I need to read. I need to know these principles. So because if you're a Christian, which what Christian out there says, well, I don't want to grow and I don't want to serve and I don't want to love God. No, we would, that would be natural. I want to serve God and I want to love God and I want to know God. So give me these life principles. This is what they say. Dr. Stanley has taught them so that others can grow into mature followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps you've been inspired by these 30 life principles and are wondering how you can further make them a part of your life. What does the Bible teach about having a lifetime of spiritual success and avoiding the traps of ineffectiveness and spiritual misery? How do these life principles apply to your everyday circumstances and the challenges you face? The 30 Life Principles Study Guide has been developed to help you answer these questions and to encourage you into growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Of course, these principles was never meant to take place of God's word. They are guidelines for discovering the richness of God's truth and knowing God himself in a deep, intimate relationship. By following these life principles, you'll be on the road to the life that he designed for you. And as you submit yourself to him more fully, God will reveal himself to you. That's what makes the journey of obedience so exciting. So, hey, it's not supposed to replace God's word, but if you follow these principles, I mean, dun-da-da! It sounds like, you know, you're, it's going to be victory and success and triumph. And, and it sounds like if I follow these life principles, everything's going to be great, at least spiritually speaking. So what are these life principles? Are, 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 do you, I, I don't know. Do you want to know these life principles? Are you right now preoccupied? You're, you're sitting somewhere going, hey, shh, be quiet. I'm trying to write down my 30, my, my 10 life principles before I pass away in 72 hours. I'm writing them down. Okay, I know you're interested in doing that, but let's consider what Charles Stanley came up with, I guess, over 50 years ago. Over 50 years ago, he came up with these 30 life principles because he's been teaching them throughout his ministry. Or did he? See, the introduction doesn't really, it seems to imply that he came up with them before, you know, 50 years ago, and then throughout those 50 years of ministry, he's been teaching them. So it'd be interesting to know, I guess in the introduction, I would be more interested in, so when did he formulate these 30 principles? Or are these things he's just been teaching for 50 years, and at the and somewhere in those 50 years, he decided to grab all of the principles that he's been teaching and write them down? I don't know exactly how it formulated. To me, that the origin story of the 30 life principles is fascinating. But 30, it just seems... It just seems interesting that he came up with 30. That's that's just a big number. But but um, because I think most people were like, I'm gonna give you 10, right? Maybe 15 pushing it, but 30? That's a lot of principles. I'm assuming this covers pretty much everything, but I, I, I'm still interested to see your 10. But let's do this. Are you ready? I don't know. Should we start with number 30? I guess we're going to start with number one. We're going to start with, I, like, in some ways, I think, you know, like doing like a music countdown, we start with number 40, right? And then we go all the way. And the number one song all across the United States of America, boom, 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 boom. okay, whatever. Okay, but this, I guess we're going to start with number one. And I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm guessing here 
and from what I've read, I think I'm, I think I'm accurate here, but I, I don't like to be dogmatic if, unless I have something specifically in front of me that could clearly prove this. It seems that number one would be what he thinks is one of the, like, the, one of the foundational principles. Like, I, I, like this is number one for a reason, All right? Are you ready? Number one, the number one life principle, as taught by Charles Stanley and his many, his different books and study guides and and life principle bible and all of the different life principle merchandise that's out there content that's out there he seems to identify that the number one life principle is this our intimacy with god okay that that's how it, it says our intimacy with god and then we have this statement his highest priority for our lives okay wait hang on let me, let me do it this way. Let me read this. Okay. It's written weird. It's kind of broken down into, into you, you almost thought it was going to be one complete statement, but it's kind of broken down. I, I didn't even realize how the way he kind of breaks it down, but here's how it's broken down. So number one, it, this is life principle one, but it's really kind of broken down into three statements, but it's just life principle one. Here we go. Our intimacy with God his highest priority for our lives determines the impact of our lives. All right? So our intimacy with God, his highest priority for our lives determines the impact of our lives. So I would almost state it this way. According to Charles Stanley, the number one principle for your life is that our our intimacy with God is the highest priority for our lives. That God's highest priority for your life is your intimacy with him, right? So our intimacy with God is his highest priority for our lives determines the impact of our lives. So I'm reading this to mean our intimacy with God, that's life principle number one, right? That that really is the, the issue here. It's my intimacy with God, and that's the highest priority of God for my life. And this intimacy with God determines the impact of my life. So if I want it really, so this principle is all about intimacy with God. And so I, what I need to know is, into, I need to understand what intimacy of God uh, with God is. I need to understand it's the highest priority God has for my life is my intimacy with him. And number three, this is going to determine the impact of my life. If I'm going to have a life that, that impacts people, it's going to flow from my intimacy with God, which is God's highest priority for my life. Oh, man, there's a lot to take apart right here, isn't there? First, we would have to define, and I'm, and I, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to play, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here. I'm just going to throw out all kinds of ideas. I want you to, just, I really want you to think about this one, right? And I don't know if I would have written this one down this way. So this is why I'm having some issue, because if I was thinking of life, principle number one, it would be, it would be very, it would be written differently than this. All right. Because I'm greatly influenced by, well, the Puritan catechism and the Westminster, uh, uh, larger catechism, shorter catechism, I believe it has the, starts the same way. I, I'm thinking that is like life principle. Number one, this goes in a different direction, right? And you can really you, you could go, they focus on the word intimacy, 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 intimacy. So what does, what does it mean to be intimate with God? What, what does that look like? Is that a vague concept to you? Like if, if I was to, if I was to pull you to sign and go, like, so how's your intimacy with God today? Now you may be a marital, marital, marital counseling, if I can speak correctly. And maybe the counselor looks like, what, how's your intimacy? You know, how was the intimacy with your spouse? Right. And that different people, that may mean different things. That could be about a physical relationship. It could be about an emotional connection. So, so, when, so I think even there, people may have different, could possibly approach it from a different perspective. So if I ask you, how is your intimacy with God? Would you even think about my intimacy with God? That's, that's a life principle. That's a very important life principle. My intimacy with God. If, if I, I mean, have you ever thought about your relationship with God in, in terms of intimacy? 
And have you ever considered that your intimacy with God is God's highest priority for your life? Do you even agree with that? Do you agree that God's highest priority for my life is intimacy with himself? Let, let's do this. Now, I want to I cover as many of these as possible, but let's do this. I'm going to type in the word intimacy. And I'm going to definition. Now, it, the definition for intimacy is close familiarity or friendship or closeness. So it's, it's fam- how familiar we are, a closeness. Merriam-Webster, uh, intimacy, the state of being intimate. That's not helper, helpful. Something of a personal or private nature. That's not really, that's not super helpful. I've either other, it's just, it's a closeness. It's a closeness. So if we understand Intimacy with God as a closeness with God, a, f- a familiarity with God. How close are you to God? How familiar are you with God? I, I get that. That still seems vague. I, I think a lot of us would understand intimacy with God as something, and I think this could be somewhat misleading and very detrimental to one's spiritual life. I think many people would define intimacy with God in a, with emotional terms, like a feeling, like a a feel now this goes through different obviously i reject uh, the charismatic world i'm not a charismatic i reject charismatic theology but in that world experience emotion i think i think you would have to acknowledge is a part of that tradition a part of that theological stream that that emotion experience is high on their list right so but many of them will say i i felt the presence of god right and it's about some emotional experience so do, do you understand intimacy with god as some emotional experience that means you would have to be if you're going to say well okay if my if the number one life pri- pri- if the number one life principle is my intimacy with God. And some people's mind would be like, then every day I need to feel this. I need to feel closeness to God. And, and I think that could be very detrimental because either A, you have to start, start faking it. And then what happens when you don't feel it? Does that mean you're not close with God? And so, so just trying to figure out what it is is already a, an issue with this principle. Number two is it God's highest priority for our lives? Is the highest priority God has for my life my intimacy with him? Or could we say God's highest priority is his own glory? And that the, the and see this is where I'm going to deviate from this and go to the Westminster Confession Puritan Cat or Westminster Catechism Puritan Catechism is that they, they state what is the chief end of man to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. This seems to say that the number one principle of my life is to understand that my purpose of existing is God's glory. So I would say the life principle is to glorify God would be life principle. They're saying, no, the intimacy with God is the principle and that this is the, the highest priority of God. Is God's number one priority, his intimacy or my intimacy with him or our intimacy, the intimacy between us, or is God's number one priority his own glory, his own honor? I mean, you, you realize if, if whatever your number one life principle is, is going to have profound impact on how you view life. And then the next part of this is that our intimacy with God determines the impact of our lives. Do you think your intimacy with God determines how much impact you have in your life? That's this is this is very interesting. All right, there's more we can say about number one, but I'll just place that there. Now, number two, and let me ask this: I think this is important. This first life principle. I want you to think about this. Do you think it is gospel based or law based? 
Now, gospel-based is what God has done for me. Law-based is what I need to do. Just remember, there's very different perspectives here between law and gospel, right? Gospel speaks of what Christ, what God has done for me. Law is, is telling me I have to do something. So if we go that our intimacy with God is the highest priority, God's highest priority uh, for our lives, and it determines the impact I have, so then it, does this mean that, okay, so here's what you need to do. Life principle number one, you must pursue intimacy, achieve intimacy, because if you achieve it, you're meeting God's highest uh, priority for your life and you're going to have an impact. So you, so immediately it's like, not, okay, like if I was to write this out, how would I write this out? Intimacy is accomplished by what Christ did or intimacy is achieved by what I do and then I then someone would say, How do you accomplish intimacy? Number one, prayer. Number two, Bible reading. Number three, worship. Number four, praise. Number five, fasting. And you start making that list. Now your your life, your number one life principle becomes a law based. In other words, your whole life is going to take a law-based perspective versus a gospel-based perspective. I would say intimacy is achieved, think of it this way, because of what God has done for me. God, now we, we, whatever you believe in, well, we won't even go through all the controversy of if you believe in the doctrine of election. We won't even get into that right now. I will say this, that intimacy is achieved because God sent his son to die for me, and by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, in the finished work of his son, then guess what happens? His righteousness and obedience is imputed to my account. I'm declared to be righteous in a legal sense. Forensic justification is what we'd call this theologically. I am declared to be righteous, right? I'm declared to be righteous, and I'm adopted, and I am made a child of God. I am now in an eternal relationship with God. I am in Christ. Christ is in me. That intimacy is achieved by the work of God. Now, close, I, 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 I'm not denying that there isn't an aspect where I pursue a closeness and fellowship with God based on what I do. But I think intimacy, first and foremost, is accomplished by my positional standing in Christ. In other words, no, whether I'm experiencing a closeness in my practical life or a closeness in my fellowship, in my position, I'm in Christ. I'm seated in Christ in heavenly places. I'm seated with Christ in heaven. Right? I, I am a, I'm a child of God. I am declared perfectly righteous, perfectly holy because of an imputed righteousness. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. I am completely connected to him. That intimacy is first and foremost accomplished by the work of God, not by what I do. Now, because of what Christ did, yes, I should pursue some kind of a closeness, but it is, I think the intimacy is already accomplished by God and it, it can't be destroyed, at least for my positional intimacy. But if, I'm, if, my, if I say intimacy with God is God's highest priority, and this determines the impact of my life, and it's something I have to do, it seems to become a very law-based perspective, which could be detrimental to one spiritual life. But that's life principle number one. Number two, and, and the reason I stopped and tried to reemphasize that is because I looked down and saw number two, and number two is very much law-based. Obey God and leave all the consequences to him. Life principle number two, you obey God and you leave all the consequences to him. That's a law-based perspective. A gospel-based perspective would be Christ obeyed God for me and in Christ, I am perfectly obedient in my position and my positional standing what should flow from that is a desire to seek to be obedient in practice. However, I will never be perfectly obedient. Ever. Is, is, is it wrong? I'm not saying that this is wrong. I'm just saying that this is very much a, a law-based concept. 
obey God and all the consequences and leave all the consequences to him. Now, I do believe we have to obey God and leave all the consequences to him. I, I'm not saying that this is a wrong principle. I just don't know if I would start with, this seems to be starting with what I do instead of starting with what God did. And I don't know, I think maybe the principles I need to focus on is what God has done for me because I think we always have to understand our position and that our practice flows from our position. I, I don't know. You, you, you can tell me. So, so there's obey God and leave all the consequences to him. Obey God and leave all the consequences to him. All right? Okay, I'm just thinking, I'm trying to think, I wonder what he's going to do with that one. I'm a little fascinated. Okay, but number three. Now, this one I think is good. Number two, I'm just trying to figure out, I'm trying to picture, obey God and leave all the consequences to him. In other words, I guess don't, like that, this is a principle in life where you just like, what does God tell me to do? And I do it and don't worry about the consequences. Don't worry about what will happen. Okay, I, I, yeah, I, I'm trying to process that one, but okay, number three. God's word is an immovable anchor in times of storm. God's word is an immovable anchor in times of storm. That's a pretty, that's a good one. That's a good one. Hey, you're going you're gonna to face a lot of storms in life. That those storms could happen inside the church, outside the church, in your family, outside the family, at work, in your neighborhood, inside of you. There, there can be just storms. Those storms could be emotional storms. It could be, it could be relationship storm. It could just be whatever. There's going to be storms. And the one thing that is immovable, right? Now you could say God is immovable, but I understand that, that they're, they're, he's focusing on what we have right here in front of us. God's word is that immovable anchor that immovable anchor in times of a storm, that, that no matter what's happening, I can grab the Bible and it's immovable, it's unchangeable, and it's the anchor I can, I can literally physically hold on to. You can say God is immovable, true. God, you can say, is my rock, my refuge, all true. But at the very, in, in times it's kind of a vague, okay, God, you're my refuge. I don't know exactly, I, I'm turning to you, but scripture is something tangible that I can read and I can meditate and I can, I can, I can look to for direction and for wisdom. So number three, God's word is an immovable anchor in times of storm. I think it's, I, I, I yeah, I, I, we could, we could, we could get nitpicky, but okay. I think that's one's a good one. So number one, our intimacy with God, his highest priority for our lives determines the impact of our lives. Obey God and leave all the consequences to him is number two. Number three, God's word is an immovable anchor in times of storm. Now, would I, which out of one, two, or three, one, two, or three, which one would show up on your list? Like, like if you were thinking about your 10, would one of those or something similar show up on your list? Again, for me, intimacy with God, I would probably have glorify God would be my number one. And number two, I would not tell, I would, I would talk about God's, what God has done for me. I would talk, I would, I would probably put number one, glorify God. And number two, I would, I would say, never forget your position in Christ. Never forget what God has done for you in the gospel. Because I think I've got to get that positional gospel mindset early on in my principles, or my life takes a law-based direction, which usually ends in, in devastation, spiritually speaking. Number three, God's word is an immovable anchor in times of storm. Number four, the awareness of God's presence energizes us for our work. If you, if you keep hearing that sound, whenever, if, if you know anything about me, whenever I start thinking and I'm trying to, I immediately grab a pencil. Like, like I always have a, I always have a, a pencil. Anytime I start thinking, I got to pick up a pencil. I can't think without a pencil in my hand because I'm ready to start writing something down. Okay. So, all right. But number four, the awareness of God's presence energizes us for our work. This one is a little, this one is a little difficult for me to process. All right. Because here would be the question. 
What does it mean to be aware of God's presence? So this comes back to an experiential kind of, it, it seems like a lot of this is very experiential, right? Intimacy with God, that's, is that an experiential? Like, is that a feeling kind of thing? Okay, obey God and leave all the consequences to him. Okay, that's more straightforward and practical. God's word is an immovable anchor in times of storm. Okay, that's very practical. That's very direct. But then back to number four, we're back to a very experiential kind of mindset. The awareness of God's presence energizes us for our work. So whatever work we're supposed to do as a Christian, what's going to energize me is an awareness of God's presence. How, what does that mean? Because I hear, I hear, hear Christians talk about that all the time and you'll hear Christians. Look, you've seen this. You may know people who do this. I'll go to one of those big churches and they'll say, oh, I felt God's presence. I felt God's presence. And I'm, I'm always like, so what did you mean you felt God's presence? And then you kind of, you try to start taking it apart. Oh, okay. So you, you say, well, watch the video of our worship service. The lights are turned down. You got this very uh, music that's very much appealing to emotion. You got a song leader speaking in nice, soft voice or telling a sad story. And you're like, I think what you experienced was emotional manipulation. I don't know if you experienced the presence of God. And the reason I'm not so sure God was present is, first of all, there's some very questionable songs you were singing, but mostly is what was preached after was borderline heresy, if not all right, heresy. So I don't know if you're experiencing God's presence. And it's amazing, a lot of times when people say they experience God's presence, they experience some kind of emotional something emotional happening. And a lot of times when you go look at what happened, it was clearly structured. It was clearly a man-made method in order to get people emotional. And they connect that emotional experience with the presence of God when it may be just the manipulation of emotion based off uh, whatever. Um, Good point. Would have to think constantly seeking feeling would be exhausting after a while. That's a great point. I I was kind of looking at this well, which I think would be a law would be a law based concept. I keep looking at these principles from either is it a law based or gospel based. So th- I guess in some ways this would be almost a law based because it would be like, what do you do? You gotta you gotta seek this feeling. You gotta seek the. I gotta seek it because, hey, the awareness of God's presence. What's gonna energize me? What, what's gonna energize me to do work is the awareness of God's presence. So I gotta seek the feeling. I gotta seek the feeling. And that would become exhausting. And law always exhausts. Law always wears out. Law wears us out. Law always condemns. Law always breaks us down. Law always leaves us defeated, destroyed, discouraged, and and shamed. I wonder if we put the awareness of God's work on our behalf, energizes us for our work. I wonder if we reworded that. The awareness of God's work on our behalf is what energizes us to work. In other words, I'm making that more gospel-based. What what motivates my work is my awareness of God's work on my behalf. I don't know. I just don't know. Again, I don't know what it, I don't know what someone's awareness of God's presence is. This this is very much, and the one the person listening knows what I'm getting ready to say. Some of this feels very much like the Experiencing God book or books. <laughs> there was DVD series, uh, CDs, uh, workbooks, study guides. I, I don't know. There was everything. The Experiencing God thing was not only was it big in Southern Baptist churches, I had to exp- <laughs> I had the unfortunate pleasure. Uh, I've had, I had the unfortunate opportunity to experience experiencing God in an independent fundamental Baptist church. And it wasn't pleasant because, man, that book, oh, that study drove me crazy. But uh, it feels a little bit like that. Hey, what you need is you need to experience God and then you'll be energized and your life will be transformed. I just don't know what it is. I don't know how to, how to be aware Okay. <laughs> okay. Someone says, "Oh, now I'm going to have that nightmare." Yes, it was a nightmare, and and I'm not. And I know somebody may be listening, going, "It was a beautiful experience." Okay. Well, I, hmm. I man, that book 
Oh, that book left me discouraged, defeated, and and oh, I don't even want to go through all of that. I man. Mm. <laughs> Anyone who was in a car with me every time we left church knows exactly how frustrated I got with that. And I probably did not always handle myself in a godly way, but okay. The awareness of God's presence. I wish I could say I'm aware of like, am I aware of God's presence right now? Like, what does that feel like? That just seems so subjective. Number five, and we'll we'll stop with this one. God does not require us to understand his will. Just obey it, even if it seems unreasonable. That's an interesting principle. God does not require us to understand his will. Just obey it, even if it seems unreasonable. Now, I'm very familiar with the teachings of Charles Stanley. I graduated from the Charles Stanley Bible Institute and received a certificate of completing all course study. So I so I know Charles Stanley's teaching very well, and I disagree with a large portion of it. And there's one area I strongly disagree with Charles Stanley, like big time, because Charles Stanley was has obviously been massively influenced by certain charismatic tendencies, right? And he's big on you got to find God's will. You got to listen and hear what God is telling you to do. You got to, and God's will is this thing that somehow we have to listen for and God's going to tell us. And it's some small inner voice and it's very charismatic where I'm like, no, 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 no. No, I, no, I reject that. God's will is given to me in his word, right? I don't look for some, I feel that, oh, I think that's God's will. Oh, I think that's God's will. No, because that's a feeling that arises from within me. And what is within me? A, a depraved nature. What is within me? A wicked heart that's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. No, 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 no. I don't look to try to figure out God's will by some internal voice or some voice or some extra biblical revelation. If I want to know God's will, I open the Bible and I read it. Okay, that's God's will. There you go. So, if we leave it to God's word, then I can somewhat, then I can agree. But I know that in Charles Stanley's mind, God's will is this almost mysterious thing that we have to seek out and try to listen for. Yeah, and it's it's maddening if you've ever been a part of those kinds of churches. I was taught that kind of stuff early on in a Southern Baptist church, and it drove me insane. Like, well, how am I supposed to know? Well, it's a feeling. You'll just know God telling you. I'm like, what in the world are you people talking of? Like, and and then just see people say, oh, I think it's God's will this, and then all of a sudden two weeks later, it's God's will is something else, and then two weeks later, God's will is this, and it's like God's will has changed 72 times in the last three weeks. Like, I don't even know if you know what God's will is, okay? But that's... That's neither here nor there. So I'm going to go with God's will being his word. So then if we take his principle, I'm going, to re, I'm going to write it this way. God does not require us to understand everything in his word. Obey it, even if it seems unreasonable. We may not understand everything in God's word. In fact, not only we may not understand it, it may go against everything that we want, everything we desire, and it may seem confusing, but we are to obey it even if it seems unreasonable. And I will say God's word time and time again may seem unreasonable. I don't know. It seems very unreasonable for me to love my enemy. It seems crazy for me to turn the other cheek. It seems crazy to do good to those who would persecute you, persecute me and use me. It seems crazy to put others before myself all insane concepts, but I am to obey it. Forgive, forgive, forgive those who've done horrible things to me. Forgive as Christ has forgiven me. That sounds wonderful. It sounds spiritual until you have to do it in real life. So number five, God does not require us to understand his will, just obey it, even if it seems unreasonable. And I'm going to say God does not require us to understand everything in his word because we're never going to understand everything in his word, but we are to obey it even if it seems unreasonable and we don't quite understand everything about it. Now, we'll we'll work this all the way till we go through all 30, not right now. We'll stop right there. We'll do five at a time and then we'll just see. Again, I would love to get your life principles. What would yours be? So number one, according to Charles Stanley, is our intimacy with God 
His highest priority for our lives determine the impact of determines the impact of our lives. All right? You may want to write these down because you may use these to formulate your own what you think are life principles that you want to share. And I want to see yours. I really, 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 really want to see what you would give write down for 10 life principles. Let's say you have to do this Sunday. You you're gonna do it this Sunday. What would you give everyone? What would you give your Sunday school? The one person listening, he's a Sunday school teacher. What would be 10 life principles you would give to your Sunday school class? I'd love, really love to record the class. I want, I want you to teach it to your class. I would, I, it'd be interesting. To, I just would be fascinated to hear what people would come up with. But number one, our intimacy with God, his highest priority for our lives, determines the impact of our lives. Number two, obey God. Obey God. I'm going to lose my voice here. Let me take a drink of water really quick. That's what happens when you do hours and hours and hours and hours of teaching, okay? Um, Number two, obey God and leave all the consequences to him, okay? That that one's interesting. Again, it's very law-based. I I, I tend to, well, I'm not going to go back and go through all the things I've already said. Number three, God's word is an immovable anchor in times of storm. I like that one. I I may word it a little different, but I kind of like that one. Number four, the awareness of God's presence energizes us for our work, that one drives me crazy because I don't even know exactly how I'm supposed to be aware of God's presence. It's all feelings-based. And, oh, man, can you trust your feelings in any meaningful way? I know that there's. we talked about it in a podcast episode, that there's some detrimental things to tell people not to trust their feelings. So I understand we could get into that discussion, but okay. Number five, God does not require us to understand his will. Just obey it, even if it seems unreasonable. Now, just so that you know that if you purchase any, well, I'm not, I'm, you know, if you purchase it, I don't get any money. So don't think I'm, I'm doing this to get money. But um, if you purchase any of Charles Stanley's books on the 30 life principles, you can then engage in the study that he gives to try to prove each point and you could come up to your own conclusions. Again, there's the life, the life principles, Bible, Bible study guide book. There's just, I don't know all the different merchandise, but there you have it. Those are the five. I, I don't know. I think it's interesting just because there's someone with 50 years of ministerial experience. And these are the life principles that he's been teaching people for 50 years. What, what do you think? What do you think? I, I, you can just let me know what you think about them. I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by him just because it's someone who's been teaching for so long. Now, even though I disagree with a lot of his theology, and again, I think a lot of this is very much law-based instead of gospel-based, and I definitely see the influence of charismatic theology in it, but uh, I'm still fascinated by it. I'm just fascinated by anybody who's like, hey, here's what... I've been a Christian for 10 years. Here's the life principles I've come up with. I don't care if you've been saved for a year. Each, wherever you are in your spiritual life, you've gained, you've experienced, you've, 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 you've experienced, you've learned things. And those principles that you think are important would be fascinating to see because uh, everyone, again, everyone has gone through so many different things. All right, but I'll stop right there. You can email me your list or you can post them in the Discord channel. Newsif at yahoo.com newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. All right, tomorrow, we'll pick up six through 10. There you go. And we'll just kind of work through it. And I I won't drag this series out too long. Um, But yeah, I just, I don't even know how I came across. I think I was looking for something and I, and it was like, you know, showed all of the stuff, all the different books available for Life Principles by Charles Stanley. And I'm like, you know what? I have, think I have those books on my Kindle. So I pulled them up on my Kindle. And I'm like, you know, I, like I, I wanted to just like, hey, here's Life Principle number one by Charles Stanley. Let's study what he says about Life Principle number one. And what do you think about it? But uh, that would take forever to go through all 30. But it, I, I'm, it is interesting just to at least see what the principles are. So, all right, everyone have a great night. Thanks for listening. And, uh, God bless.